Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. We are back again with you. And I mentioned I had to go to Walmart yesterday, and I did. That was part of my very long honeydew list. You know, we had this odd schedule yesterday with the Beck Show. And so we've got uh, the big trash pickup in my city where they throw, you can throw anything out there once a year, and they'll come and get it for no extra charge, right? So we had to get ready for all of that. And one of the things that stood out to me we got, Amy and I got to the end of our Walmart grocery shopping trip and, you know, between pets and everything else, we, we went through the whole store and I looked at her, we got right before we checked out and of course it's Walmart. So there was just one cashier, uh, right before we went to check out, I looked at her and I said, did you notice something or maybe not notice something? She said, what? Actually, the first thing she looked at me and said was, Actually, I noticed there are still a couple of people here wearing masks. That's what she said. Um, I said, where's all the rainbow stuff? I mean, where is it? I mean, where, 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 I mean, I, I don't know how many years it has been, but it, I mean, this, these shopping centers um, have been adorned, um, you know, almost omnipresently with this swag, the rainbow jihad swag. I didn't see any of it at Walmart yesterday. I wonder, I wonder, we're seeing, I think, a lot less of it on social media this year from corporations. I wonder if some folks got the memo on what's going on with the market caps over at, uh, at Target and, uh, and Budweiser. Well, and the folks you're talking about, even though obviously this is a global brand now with tentacles everywhere, Walmart is based in Arkansas. Yeah. Target is based in Minneapolis. Yeah. That could be part of it too. Yeah. Well, well, I guess then we can go ahead and take back the rainbow and we could go ahead and proclaim June to be life month, right? Because we're going to be commemorating later this month, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, the smashing of the ultimate shibboleth of the damned. One great way that you can commemorate life month is with our friends over at Preborn. They rescue 200 babies every day. Uh, from the uh, from the from the baby butchers, by providing mom with a free ultrasound that allows her to hear her heart, her heart, her child's heartbeat, and and see the perfectly formed body in the womb, and and that about eighty percent of the time will convict the conscience of that mom, and she won't go through with it. Uh, and and then they also take care of the mom though after the fact, and that and I love their their, their whole focus comprehensive ministry here that they essentially uh, love them both. Um, and if you want to help them, whether it is to save the babies, and then to help save the mommies uh, with the aftercare that they provide, all of it for free, and all of their gifts are tax deductible. All right, 100% of your gift goes to saving babies. To donate, just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Dial pound 250, say the keyword baby on your mobile phone, or you can donate securely at preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve, and you'll see there on the screen if you're watching on Blaze TV. You can double your impact. Your gift will be matched, saving twice as many babies. Preborn.com slash Steve. Our goal is to save 70,000 babies. Uh, here at The Blaze with our partnership at Preborn so far in 2023. 
Uh, two more quick things I need to mention that I am derelict in my duty and I apologize in both cases. Uh, Eric Baus, I believe, or is it Boss? If it was me, I'd rather it be Boss. So even though it's B-A-U-S-S, I'm going to go with that. All right. Eric Boss, B-A-U-S-S, celebrated his 50th birthday on May 24th. And his wife asked me uh, to, to give him a shout out. And it just got buried in all the emails I've gotten the last couple of weeks. So forgive me, Eric, if you are listening. I know it is belated. You've been 50 for a couple of weeks now. I will be joining you here uh, in, a couple of we- in, in, in a couple of months. Uh, but happy 50th birthday to you. And Noah Lathrop, Noah Lathrop, uh, May 31st was his 14th birthday. And his father uh, said, hey, could you give him a shout out? Because as we try to raise a quality young man, I try to surround him with as many quality men as possible. And that includes the three of you, which means maybe Noah Lathrop's dad needs to raise his standards, a a, a skosh. (laughs) All right. But uh, happy 14th birthday to Noah Lathrop as well back on May 31st. And my apologies to both for being late and those well wishes. All right, coming up on the show today, we will get to buy, sell, or hold, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz will join us. But let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by He's Back. But first, thousands, if not tens of thousands, of ethnic Russians in the Kherson region of Ukraine are being displaced as of now thanks to the destruction of a large dam on the Dnipro River. Russia is blaming Ukraine. Ukraine is blaming Russia. And the Pentagon, including spokesman John Kirby, says the U.S. is clueless. Does it seem believable to you that Russia would destroy a dam and flood ethnic Russian villages and cut off a water supply to... Uh, Crimea, I mean, that doesn't seem logical. It seems about as logical as blowing up one's own pipeline, doesn't it? We've come to no conclusions on this. We're working with the Ukrainians. The CIA isn't clueless, apparently, about who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. As the Washington Post reported yesterday, the CIA was aware of a Ukrainian plan involving just six members of their special forces to blow up the Russia to Germany pipeline because, as Jordan Schachtel at the dossier pointed out, the Ukrainian are world-renowned for their naval prowess. The Ukraine issue is the topic of Tucker Carlson's first show on Twitter, which he released last night. Ukraine, as you may have heard, is led by a man called Zelensky. As George W. Bush once noted, he is our generation's Winston Churchill. Of all the people in the world, our shifty, dead-eyed Ukrainian friend in the tracksuit is uniquely incapable of blowing up a dam. He's literally a living saint, a man in whom there is no sin. That's why Lindsey Graham is so attracted to him. They're just two good people, hanging out together and being good. And like all good people, when they meet in person, they spend a lot of time talking about killing people and laughing like friends do. Here's the pair last week. Free or die. Free or die. Now you are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent. Thank you so much. No, it's... The Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent, Graham says. A smile spreads across his thin, quivering lips as he forms the words. He looks like a starving man contemplating a breakfast buffet. The aroma of death has aroused Lindsey Graham. That monologue, the type of which you're accustomed to hearing if you've ever watched his show on Fox, garnered tens of millions of views in about the 16, 17, 18 hours or so since he released it. Moving on, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is running for president again. One question that kept going 
back and back and back into my mind. And it was about our country and its future. And I wondered what our choice was going to be. Were we going to be small or are we going to be big? A new poll of the Iowa caucuses from veteran pollster Chris Wilson, who's one of the best in the game, shows Donald Trump just a 10-point lead over Ron DeSantis in the first-in-the-nation caucus state. Scott Haley, Pence, and Ramaswamy are all below 10%. Democrat presidential hopeful RFK Jr. visited the U.S.-Mexico border in the middle of the night Monday into Tuesday, and this is what he saw. We've watched about 150 people come across in the last hour, the first group were about uh, 50 or 60 people from Africa, from West Africa. This group that is filing behind me right now, we interviewed many of them. Uh, they're from Peru, Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, India, China, Tibet, Nepal, and all together, uh, people have come across right here from 117 nations in the last couple of years. This is a humanitarian crisis because of the understanding across the globe that we now have an open border here. There are people being drawn here. Uh, they're being abused. Uh, there, are, There's all kinds of just horrific a terrible, terrible stories, and this is not a good thing for our country. It's not a good thing for these people, and it is unsustainable. Newly released security footage of the U.S. Capitol obtained and reviewed by John Solomon at Just the News shows an open door on the Upper West Terrace where no fewer than 309 individuals passed through during a period of less than 20 minutes. This new footage flies in the face of the continued claims by the system that the J6ers forcibly breached the Capitol building. Rear Admiral Pete Buttigieg was asked his thoughts about laws protecting girls' sports. His answer was predictable somehow. And honestly, I think where it largely comes from is uh, folks who don't want to talk about why they were against the infrastructure law that's building the roads and bridges. The U.S. does indeed have blasphemy laws, as this man in Reading, Pennsylvania found out recently. Damon Atkins was reading a Bible verse on a public street during a rainbow jihad confab when he was arrested by police. <laughs> This is public property. You. God is not. Getting this on film. Can I give him my bag? All stuff's in. Yo, I'm gonna need you to go to 128 North. Meanwhile, in Glendale, California, Armenian-American parents, including several fathers, clashed with Antifa and trainee nationalists outside of a school board meeting. The parents are furious about elementary schools putting on so-called pride events. Back in Dallas, Texas, Blaze TV's Sarah Gonzalez infiltrated a so-called family-friendly pride festival featuring sex toys, overtly sexual references, and men dressed in BDSM gear because nothing says family-friendly like Leather Daddy. And finally, the DeSantis campaign put out this devastating montage featuring Trump versus Fauci. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired.
You're fired. You're all fired. All four are fired. You're fired. You're fired. Today I walk in, I hear I'm going to fire him. I'm not firing him. I think he's a wonderful guy. Should you have fired Fauci? So a lot of people ask me that question, and I did it right. Because if you do fire him, you're going to have a firestorm on the left again. Why, why did you feel unable to fire Fauci? Personally, you're not allowed to. Every time he goes on television, there's always a bomb. But there's a bigger bomb if you fire him. Frankly, you can't win that one. If I would have done it, I would have taken heat. And that's what happened while we were away. That is a great ad. I would not seen that one yet. That is a great ad. Now, the Trump people have a great ad that came out just like 30 minutes ago. It is also a tremendous ad. Uh, and it doesn't mention Ron DeSantis once, smartly. And it just directly places Trump only against the left. Um, so those two messages, provided each of their campaigns can stay on them, uh, to, to watch them go concurrently at the exact same boat voters and to see how the voters would react to each one, I think would be absolutely fascinating because in many respects, it's both of these alpha males and their campaigns articulating the best pitch that they have. I mean, the, the, the ad that the Trump people just came out with, and it's up on my Twitter feed. I just saw it before the show and retweeted it at, uh, at Steve Day Show. I mean, the, the idea that, that Trump is the most hated man by the people who hate you and therefore is your weapon of retribution. That's his best pitch by far. It's not even, and there is no close second. In fact, if, you know, if you could keep him on message, that should really be his only pitch because the enemy of, on the other side will provide ample evidence for him organically to feed that on a daily basis. Hell, they might, and they might indict him tomorrow for all we're hearing right now. On the other hand, the best DeSantis pitch is that this is bluster. And this is largely a social media branding that, substantively, he's no threat. That when you gave him power and he, you gave him an opportunity to fulfill uh, the, all the tough talk, you know, you know the reality was um, he, he, he got his ass kicked and, you know, um, went shopping at Target uh, where he could find tucked in pants. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's both sides. And, and what's funny is if they can stay on this message... Both of these narratives will be provided evidence to confirm it. I mean, the other side is going to provide Trump ample evidence for him to make the case that he is the one that they hate the most. Likewise, as we've already seen in Iowa in the first week in the campaign, um, Trump is going to provide evidence that a lot of this is branding and bluster. And so it will force the people of Iowa and New Hampshire to make a decision. You know, which of those two narratives are they do they think is the most important in this particular moment in this cycle? But I think that's actually a productive debate. I think that's a far more. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I talked about let's put him in the steel cage and let's see. To me, that's that this is the productive argument and debate between the two sides that would benefit us to have. The stuff that's gone on the last few weeks and all the other stuff and the I've never seen a can't I mean. It, the community notes thing. I, I don't know that the Trump people have put out something attacking DeSantis that didn't get community noted in the last two weeks. That's just silliness. It's dishonest. It doesn't serve anything. It's not helping them. This argument, though, to me, is the one that we is the reason why we want on this show, speaking for myself, and it is my show. Um, this is why I wanted this confrontation, because I think we need to have this conversation uh, as a as a voting block, as a people. And I think this is the conversation that whoever, whomever emerges from that fight, it'll make make them better uh, because this is both of them at their best. This is Trump as the symbol of retribution against the system. This is DeSantis as this guy's played out, time to turn the page and move on to a younger generation. And 
I'm okay with that fight completely and let whoever is the best at making that case win, then I'm fine with whatever the name is on the back of the jersey at that point. But, but it's taken two weeks. The first two weeks did not give me a lot of hope and optimism that we were going to have the kind of fight I was hoping for. That ad and the ad I just saw from Trump are examples of the fight that I, and the argument I was hoping we were going to have. It being your show, notwithstanding, I think you're bearing the lead. Chris Christie is running. Thoughts? <laughs> I, uh, real quick, I'll say this on Chris Christie. I, I, think he could, I think he could mutually help both Trump and DeSantis. I think Christie is an unlikable foil, unlike a DeSantis, whose who's, who's, who's likability is still high. And so there is no blowback. Trump can say and do a, a, to Chris Christie whatever he wants. Can get his, he can go full Luther Campbell, man, nasty as he wants to be. He can literally say whatever he wants about Chris Christie. There is no insult, no pejorative, nothing that has any blowback on him. And, that, and, 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 and therefore, you can take, if, if, you're, if you're Mark Meadows or whoever's you know, in the room right now, or Mike Lindell, I don't know who the hell's in the room right now, in, in the darkened room at Mar-a-Lago with the Godfather there, and, and when, he's, when he's losing his mind over the stuff I tweet or what Ron DeSantis is saying today. And you know that that anger and stuff has to go somewhere. And I'm sympathetic to that, okay? I, I am someone else as well, that if I don't have constructive places to apply my anger, it will go to the destructive places. So I am not without some a little bit of sympathy for the former president where this is concerned, all right? This is where you need people around you to say, you know what, Ron DeSantis was never conceived. Just ding Chris Christie some more. Just take it out on him. And everybody's gonna be okay with it. All right, and 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 that 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 avoids Trump saying just the ridiculous stuff he has said about DeSantis, which makes him look foolish. On the other hand, if I'm Ron DeSantis, I, if Chris Christie just wants to get in this race and do nothing but just argue and distract Donald Trump for me, so I don't have to get have these back and forths, and I can just stay on my message, talking to my people and having sub- substantive conversations about the issues, I'm all for that as well. You know, so I guess what I'm trying to say is there's plenty of Chris Christie to go around. This portion of the show is brought to you by friends over at Eden Pure. You can purify the air in your home and get healthy, clean, fresh-smelling air, eliminate odors, kill mold and mildew, and bacteria, even some of the viruses, with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier. It uses Oxy technology that is filterless. You'll never have to swap out filters, either uh, with a cost out of your own pocket or with the cost of your own time. Uh, they come in a pack of three for whole home protection, three units for under $200, just a fraction of the cost compared to their competitors, which really aren't as good anyway if we're being honest and you get free shipping can't beat that pack of three and free shipping for under 200 bucks if you use the discount code steve at edenpuredeals.com edenpuredeals.com use the discount code steve the um the clash of the uh the uh, the that aaron you had with the antifa and the rainbow jihadists and what was going on in the schools and a lot of dads there there's going to be more of this, I'm afraid. Yes. And the idea that... Now, hey, let me pause and say this. I will, I will say the complacency has lasted longer than I thought that it would. Much longer. And probably much longer than a lot of people thought that it would. But I have been warning. While, we, while at the same time we have been warning about the complacency... I've also been warning about what happens when that complacency goes away. Because you waited too long. Yeah, because you waited too long. And so human nature tends to swing from yes. one extreme to another. Okay. And so, but, but the idea that forever, for an indeterminate 
perpetuity. People, especially whatever's left of the men of America. And not much, but there's some. There's some, not much, not much, but there's some. Whatever was left of manhood in America was just going to stay home forever and just watch Tiger King on loop while unspeakable evils were being done and their votes weren't counted. And then if, if they were counted, the people that they voted in just ignored their voice and showed no sympathy for it at all. There's a member of the Freedom Caucus I saw last week who never votes for the Freedom Caucus. I can't remember his name, who said, well, if I listen to my constituents, I would absolutely not be voting for this debt deal because all the calls in my office are against it. But I don't listen to him, so I'm going to. The idea that this was just going to happen, you know, in a country who's going to celebrate a birthday where by our standard, if you adjust it for inflation, it was like a 4% tax rate is what they literally looked at each other and said, don't fire till you see the whites of their eyes. Like a 4% tax rate. And these were, in many cases, wealthy landowners with a lot to lose. So the idea that even in today's soft-headed there's no there there dangling between the legs age of manhood. That forever, yes, by all means, castrate our sons, chest bind our daughters, pass out dildos to our preschoolers, and we're just going to say nothing forever. Was never going to happen. And I've been warning about this, have I not? Yeah. It's, we've been having a dual warning on D-U-A-L. On one hand, complaining about the, the complacency of the men. Where is the peaceable confrontation? And then warning, though, that sooner or later you will push the limits of the manhood that does, that does still remain, and it will go in the completely opposite direction. There will be more of this without peaceable, aggressive action within the political system and people that feel as if they have agency and a voice, and their voice matters. So this was, sometimes I wonder, and being, in, being heavily involved in politics at a high level, you meet a lot of really rich people, a lot of really wealthy people. And sometimes, frankly, not often. Sometimes you meet wealthy people and you're like, wow, that person's just really a lot smarter and more charismatic than me. I can, I can see why. They have this opulent wealth and have been rewarded accordingly. I will tell you what I'm about to speak into existence is not one of those times. Because this was Rupert Murdoch's grand idea. Tucker Carlson has now done the full Obi-Wan Kenobi here. If you strike me down, I will become even more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Yes, I know Tucker pushed the, the latches of the Overton window on Fox News every night. But he would still operate somewhat within it because he had to. That was the platform. Now he does not. So this was Rupert Murdoch's master plan. I'm going to let Tucker Carlson build, use my platform to brand himself as the most trusted contrarian media figure in the hemisphere I'm then going to drop him so that because he pushed my boundaries too far, I'm going to make a hell of a lot less money and I'm going to put Tucker 
in a position where he can now say what he really thinks without any filter at all. And what is it? 73 million have now watched this now. So we're, we're approaching, what was he averaging on, on Fox tonight? About 4 million. We're now approaching 20 times the audience, folks. 20 times. Here's the other important thing. Average age of a Fox News viewer, 68 and a half years old. Only 17% of American Twitter users are over the age of 50. Only 17%. They did Tucker Carlson an immense favor. They put him on a far larger platform. They let him say now where he can say whatever he wants. Reach 20 times the audience and reach the next generation as it's building a brand loyalty. Not on linear cable talking to a dying audience on a dying platform. Now, some of you will say, hey, it's free now as long as Elon's in charge. Dude, everybody is one Pharaoh who knows not Joseph away. I am. Someone could come in and buy the blaze tomorrow and decide, you know what? Yeah, that's not what we want. We'll just pay your buyout. See ya. So no one has eternal security outside of Jesus, okay? No one has it. But for whatever time that Musk, uh, Musk is willing to provide this platform, holy cow, can Tucker Carlson just smash shibboleths with a, with a level of impunity he could not have even done so on Fox. And now, now he's free to go, and a younger generation that would have never checked him out with the Fox logo behind him in a million years. Either they weren't watching that platform, or that name is just too tarnished to them. Now he can speak to them outside of the Republican-Democrat political paradigm and speak directly to them as a truly independent voice. Goodness. Can I get Richard Mur- can I get Rupert Murdoch to punish me like that? This is what happens when men start thinking with the southern hemisphere. Because if he was thinking with the northern hemisphere, he had played this he had a game plan this out a little bit. But you think emotionally. And now now you have a, a, a fully armed and operational battle station called Tucker Carlson out there for 20 times the audience to see. Good luck. It's not just the Southern Hemisphere thing. It's, as we know more about Fox internal memos, what's going on, uh, they basically... David, oh, they're, being, they're converting. They've yeah. David French themselves. Yeah. They're drag screen... They are drag queen story hour prioritizing. And so the, the, the fact that this keeps happening amongst the so-called conservative stalwarts, it's time to ask yourself, Dr. Jones, what do they believe? Really, at their core. Let's quickly transition what do you think robert f kennedy jr believes i mean after the night he just spent it at the border and you see him right there on that camera because of course china afghanistan uzbekistan bangladesh just a hop skip and a jump over the rio Grande from the united states right 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 In, in my opinion, just my opinion, there's only three presidential candidates that are worth voting for that are currently in this field under any circumstances. 
in no uncertain order, Trump, DeSantis, and RFK Jr. They're the only three that would provide you any conduit whatsoever to disrupt the current power scheme, power system, each in their own way, with their own personas, methodologies, ideologies, worldviews. But the, they're the only three that represent any form of substantive disruption of that which is screwing us via our good friend Shannon Joy's uh, term, the unibrow, as we speak. I don't think there's any way RFK, RFK Jr. pre-COVID goes down to the border and films that stuff. I don't think he's been red-pilled. I think he's been truth-pilled. I think he is willing now, after a lot of the things he probably thought and wrote about and talked about with anti-vax stuff for many, many years, and then you suddenly watch it all come to fruition at one period of time, everything you've ever warned about or fantasized they would ever do, they all did it in one fell swoop. I would imagine, just as the Kavanaugh thing and and the COVID thing, what that did to my own willingness to look outside of my own borders for information it looks like the same thing has happened clearly to him you just got done talking about man i think rfk jr has had a moment i don't know is he late 60s is he roughly 70 years old yeah as man we even before we get to that point steve you and i have had to ask it in our, our lifetime he was 11 when, when jfk was assassinated but, but circumstances come up and we have to ask ourselves if not now when mm-hmm. what are you prepared to do in this moment what excuses are in your head and mind and heart that you would delay this? I think so. He said, "If not now, when? This is my time." All right. When we come back, I'm going to delay buy seller hold for a few minutes, Aaron, if you're okay, because I want to get into this Iowa caucus poll and talk a little bit about it and some of the things that I'm hearing in Iowa here. With two weeks in now, with the DeSantis Trump battle fully on, we'll get into that here in a moment. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson-Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. You've heard us talking about the amazing extreme altitude wines from the Bonner Private Wine Partnership before. 9,000 feet of altitude deep in the Andes Mountains are these Malbec grapes grown by families that are going on a second century of doing it uh, the old vineyard way, not the uh, new factory way. Phenomenal red wines. We've all tried them. Todd has tried them repeatedly and likes them quite a bit as well. Uh, they've got an amazing offer. You can visit bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve. You'll not only get the wine for over 50% off plus free shipping. That's right. We're talking imported wine with free shipping. You can't beat that. You'll also get a bonus bottle of small batch limited production wine from their exclusive wine cellar. So now that's four bottles for the price of three and free shipping if you go to bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve, B-O-N-N-E-R. 
B-O-N-N-E-R at BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. All right. So before we get into uh, Aaron, before we ha- throw the poll up there, a little bit of background um, on the pollster that we're going to be describing. Uh, you guys have worked with me now for since 2015 is when we came together as a threesome, right? Well, let me hold on. Let me re- let me, just, let me rephrase that. Lindsey Graham could be listening. This trio debuted in 2015, correct? Correct. Okay. I'm sorry. That was not in, that was not intentional. All right. Did you say threesome before? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Honestly, I you it if did, you did if you said that I blocked it out because yes, and so don't ask again. It never happened, never. Welcome back on the Steve Day Show. Hey, before we get to buy, sell, or hold, let's just start over. Seventy-six degrees in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Playing Sunny the hits. Skies. Playing the hits. Um, on your fastest growing radio station. All right, let's uh, let's start again. Tremendous. Okay. Thank you. Um, since we've been doing this the three of us together in 2015 off the top of your head how often can you recall me publicly talking about an internal poll from anybody i'm sure it has happened okay i mean you're gonna you're gonna say a lot of dumb stuff and talk about a lot of stupid stuff when you do this five times a week together for going on eight years but it's not a common tactic i mean when Frankly, when I worked on the cruise campaign, I would share with you guys privately with our, what our internal polling was, but it wasn't like we were coming on the air and discussing it constantly, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we're going to make a bit of an exception here because in this case, uh, I know who the internal pollster is and I have firsthand experience with him. And the reason why we don't talk about a lot of internal polling on the show, even, even in era where we did, we, even in eras in the past, if you guys have been with us for a long time, we used to do a lot more of the data analysis than we are currently doing now. But even in those eras, we didn't do a lot of internal polling because the reality is that a lot of that, uh, there aren't many clients in this business that are running for office that truly want to know what numbers are. Like I know for a fact, Donald Trump does not. I, I, I know for a fact, pollsters just know there's just certain things you can't go in there and say to them. And, and that's not uncommon. A lot of candidates don't truly want to know where they stand. They want to be told what, 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 what they hope is the truth. Um, thankfully, when I was on a presidential campaign in 2016, I worked for a guy that, that almost painstakingly wanted to be told where he stood in Ted Cruz. <laughs> All right, Our pollster was Chris Wilson. And if you go back and you go listen to some of the shows uh, that we were doing back then, I had this uncanny ability to predict the outcomes in a lot of these states during that contested primary. Some of it was my own work. A lot of it was I had access to Chris Wilson's. A lot of you that lived in Oklahoma were emailing me during the last midterm in a panic because of all the public polling showing Democrats were going to win. We barely talked about Oklahoma in the last election. You know why? Because I had access to Chris Wilson's polling. And I, my own personal record of that is he is accurate and doesn't conjure things for people that now maybe that's changed. Okay. That, but that would be a recent development. I've, I've casually known Chris for, for, gosh, now we're going on eight years because that would have been the Cruz campaign when I came on board was 2015. Chris also helped, you know, we've talked a lot about our buddy Ryan Walters, who really grabbed the baton right away, the superintendent of Oklahoma schools to help us make sure we got our movie shot in Oklahoma. Well, Chris was my insurance plan because Chris is the, was the pollster for Governor Kevin Stitt and close with uh, the governor as well. And so Chris came to our movie set when we were there in Oklahoma to see what we were doing, to talk to me about what was going on, to make sure that we were protected and would have follow through. So I, I know this internal pollster. 
I don't know that this thing isn't made up. It's politics, man. You know, everybody's one decision away from a, from disappointing you. Present company included. <laughs> okay, so maybe this one's completely made up. But why are we talking about an internal poll? It's because I know this pollster. And I know from firsthand experience working with him in the past, he doesn't conjure data for food to rub your belly. Doesn't mean he's always right. Okay. Like there's one thing in this poll that I disagree with. Okay. That we'll talk about in a minute. But this is the first poll of Iowa since DeSantis was fully a candidate that I have seen from someone I have any trust in whatsoever, any firsthand knowledge of whatsoever, Chris Wilson, all right, doing this for, Don, for Ron DeSantis's super PAC. And what he has right now is 39-29, Trump over DeSantis. What is that? I think it's a 10-point swing. In a, in, since he pulled it in early May was the first time he did it before DeSantis got in the race. It was a five-point swing, I believe, for DeSantis. I think it was minus seven for Trump. So a 12-point swing, yeah. then. Okay, 12-point, thank you. Uh, Tim Scott at 7%. Now, we haven't talked about Tim Scott. Not of the biggest Tim Scott fan, me. But he's had a very strong week. There's just been some other things going on we haven't gotten to. I mean, he just, you know, uh, embarrassed the view, which I think is not a very high threshold, but... The standards around here ain't what they used to be. <laughs> All right. Um, I absolutely believe that if the Iowa caucuses were today, Vivek Ramaswamy would get more than 4%. I don't agree with that. I absolutely believe he would get more than 4 Maybe close to 10%. Now, we could argue he's peaked out. He kind of came here early. Maybe got a lot of exposure. Maybe he's, you know, at his peak and on the way down. I, we can all have those arguments. But I think if the caucuses were today... Vivek Ramaswamy would get more than 4%. I'm pretty confident of that. Um, and then he has head-to-head without anybody else in the race, essentially a statistical tie between Trump and DeSantis uh, with Chris Wilson's internal polling. Which again, to reiterate, I have known Chris casually, professionally for years. I've worked with Chris. And, um, and Chris came to support our movie filming in Oklahoma City and to do his part to make sure that the unions couldn't shut us down. So um, that's the only reason, no matter what the data said, if it was any other internal poll from anybody and it wasn't anybody I knew, we just wouldn't talk about it because we don't talk about a lot of internal polls because a lot of candidates and I don't I don't know Ron DeSantis again. I I have, you know, can I make it kind of personal to me for a second? Um, It's funny when Trump is on message now. Don't get me wrong. Even when he's doing stuff I like, I'm just not a fan of the personality. It's just not my thing. I don't mesh well with it. Um, I find it grating in many cases. So if you go back and listen to our show in the years when Trump was president, we often were not doing shows on what was the latest thing that he was saying. In fact, I just had to avoid it. Why? Because um, since his personality grates on me, I have to still, though, provide you the most objective analysis that I am capable of, of the stuff that matters. And frankly, my view of his personality is, doesn't matter. My view of what his administration actually does and what him as a candidate actually does is what matters. And so I had to, I'd almost just, unless he was given a, a major speech with prepared text, like in Riyadh, the speech I love there, some of the joint sessions of Congress speeches he gave his president that were very good. I would watch those, but Trump riffing and off the cuff, not my thing. I, I just, I find it uh, obnoxious. I don't like it at all. 
Um, and so I would have to ignore a lot of that stuff so that we could provide, at least I could provide, objective analysis of what he actually did. Um, that notwithstanding, though, I don't have a problem if the Donald Trump that's in that ad on my Twitter feed that I retweeted today, if that's the guy that is going to represent me in the fight, I have no problem with that at all. I, I don't care. Um, it's just keeping him on that message is what's difficult. If he were to stay on that message, I don't believe it is possible that Ron DeSantis could win. I just also don't believe it is possible for Donald Trump to stay that disciplined on a message. Fair? Yeah. Yeah. Neither do a lot of people in this poll, I think. Yeah, I agree. Because that message will win a general election. That message will win a general election against Joe Biden, for sure. Probably even Gavin Newsom. Michelle Obama, who knows, man, what happens there. If that were to be, if that were to be the rabbit out of the hat. But that, that message... That message speaks to the angst in the country. That's a message that Republicans last year during the congressional elections almost never spoke to. Their strategy was to stay, in many cases, was to stay low, stay silent, and just kind of ride the wave and just let people vote in protest organically, vote red. That didn't happen, did it? No, it didn't. Happened in Florida, where the candidate did not keep a low profile and did not stay quiet, but waged war in every front he could possibly find, and he was given a benefit of the doubt, and he was given a reward for it. Our own governor did the same in her own way. Her personality is not the same as DeSantis's, for sure. And we don't have some of the comprehensive cultural issues that a Florida does, just a larger, more diverse, more urban population, okay? But in, in her own way, she also waged war in every front she could, and yes, voters greatly rewarded her too. But the, on a national level, Republicans did not speak to that message. So if Trump can speak to that message, he'll be impossible to beat, and I think would win a general election against almost anybody, Michelle Obama notwithstanding, that Democrats would nominate. It's just keeping him on that message is tough. And I think we've got a much better shot keeping him on that message with somebody like Ron DeSantis in the race than if he's running against the dwarfs. Not to mention, I kind of want to see, as I've said all along, I want to see what a guy that has, that, with, given what he's done in Florida, I want to see what he can do on, a, on the biggest stage. Because that's the second biggest stage. That's the lar- that he's governor of the largest swing state in the country. That's the second biggest stage for executive governance in the country next to the presidency itself. And no one can argue. Someone over at, someone over at Mar-a-Lago said, we got to stop getting busted by community notes, lying about DeSantis, and just get on our own message. And that's the ad that came out today. They, a complete pivot from what they've tried to do the last few weeks. Because you can't argue with what he did in Florida. The results speak for themselves. Hell, the, Trump moved his entire operation to Florida while he was governor. He testifies himself to how ruthlessly effective and efficient DeSantis was down there. So to me, this is the fight I always wanted. Let's give Trump, whose worldview is art of the deal, and so leverage is all that matters. Leverage is all that matters to him. What gives him leverage, what leverage threatens him is all that matters. Let's give him a real competitor. Someone who could really punch back. And then in the process, let's find out, let's find out if the young buck is ready to roll on the big stage. 
because he's rolled everybody on the second biggest stage. I mean, rolled them all. So let's see if the young buck can go on the biggest stage. Maybe we'll find out, as I've said all, I'm saying a lot of the same things I've been saying all this time, but just now that they're both in the race, some of you are pretending as if I wasn't saying these things all this time. I have been consistent this entire time. Now, maybe when they get on the stage, I said this to a good friend of mine who was working for DeSantis just 48 hours ago. That a lot of this is going to come down. I think he even said it on Daniel Horowitz's podcast to him actually yesterday. A lot of this is going to come come down. DeSantis has shown early on he's not going to face plant. His campaign and operation have been extremely prepared and professional. Take away the opening 10, 15 minutes of Twitter not having its act together. The rest of, of DeSantis's campaign has looked a lot like DeSantis's governor. Ruthlessly efficient. But... A lot of this is going to come down to the first time in that first impression, man, the first time that they share a debate stage together. And I think if if Trump rolls DeSantis, then a lot of the legwork that DeSantis has laid early in this race could just evaporate in an instant. On the other hand, I was on the Gingrich campaign when we were losing South Carolina and we had one debate right before the South Carolina primary and Newt Gingrich just completely emasculated Mitt Romney one-on-one and ended up winning the South Carolina primary going away. It could go the other way, too. If the Young Buck says, shows, yeah, old man's lost a step. He can't go strong to the lane anymore. He can't finish anymore. He couldn't go strong to the lane in a debate with Joe Biden, Steve. I know. I know. But what's different when, when, you're, when you're fighting Trump in that aspect as an R or a D, Todd, is if you're the Democrat, you, you feel as if you have full reign to say whatever back to Trump you want because you have no fear of losing any voter that would ever vote for Trump. So you're not worried about alienating any of those people. If you're an R, you do. You need those people. And so you have to, you have to thread a needle. On one hand, I need to yeah, I need to punch I, I back. Disagree. On the other hand, I can't I can't that, I can't so debase myself that his people will hate me and won't vote for me if I'm the nominee. But that's not why Donald Trump tripped in that moment. He tripped because he's an asshat. I don't disagree with that either. I think a lot of it has I think a lot of it is a presentation. I I think I think I, well a lot of what you see in politics from everybody is a presentation. Let's be honest about that. But I think that he is a particular grade of showman. I guess is a, a nice way of putting it. But Ron DeSantis will have to prove that. He will have to prove that. Now, the first test was don't come out of the gate and face plant. They didn't do that. And they're off to a very, very strong start in Iowa. The ultimate test will be, though, when they share a stage together. That will be a big moment, Aaron. And that is not for another 77 days, August 23rd. Provided Trump shows up. Provided he shows up, yeah. And I have my doubts about that. That's right after the Iowa State Fair. And I believe they're having this debate uh, they've said in Milwaukee somewhere. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that could happen or not happen in the next 77 days. But generally, I, I share it. The, the, the campaign trail is a heck of a lot different from the Twitter campaign trail. Yes. And yes, it is. I've been very encouraged of, about what I've seen on the actual campaign trail. If you're a DeSantis fan, I've been, as we said on, t- on Friday, the expectations for the Twitter or online cam tra- campaign trail have lived down to my expectations. It's the community notes. It's just banal. It should be beneath, a, you know, a decent and free people. But that is what it is. It's it's Twitter after all. I mean, case in point to what you just said, brother. We were talking about Tucker Carlson a minute ago. 
that now he is getting a more of a younger, going to be here a lot longer audience. Less than uh, 17% of Twitter's audience is over the age of 50. Guys, that's the exact opposite in the Iowa caucuses. Okay. I mean, people over the age of 50 will be the largest block of people voting in the Iowa caucuses. So that's a great, that, that, that quantifies, Aaron, what you were just saying, that the Twitter campaign and what goes on uh, on the, you know, on the playing field in and of itself. I'm not saying the Twitter campaign doesn't matter. I'm just saying it's a separate campaign. That's all. And the, the ratio of people over the age of 50 that are going to vote in Iowa next February is a lot higher than the ratio of people over 50 that are watching what goes on on Twitter daily. All right, we'll play Buy, Sell, or Hold when we come back. Stay tuned. Back here at Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. You are you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. Find me as well if you look hard. Uh, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace there. And we would like to find your five-star review of our show on the podcast platform of your choice. If you haven't yet to do this, please leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe or follow. And we want to thank each and every one of you who have done those things for us already. We appreciate each and every one. We also appreciate our friends over at Miracle Brand Sheets because your temperature at night can go a long way towards determining the quality of the sleep you are getting. If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bed sheets inspired by NASA. They use silver-infused fabrics that make temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. I've been sleeping on these for about two weeks now, and I absolutely love it. I mean, I'm... I. I am hot-blooded, particularly now as we get into the summer months. It's got self-cooling properties for a better quality sleep. Um, uh, Thermoregulating, designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get a better sleep every single night. And they're they're self-cleaning as well. So these sheets are infused with a silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. So if you want to try them, Again, I, I love them. I mean, I've been doing this for the last couple of weeks. Go to trymiracle.com slash dace. Trymiracle.com slash dace. Try the Miracle Made Sheets today. Whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code DACE at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. You can't beat it. Promo code DACE at visit trymiracle.com slash dace. Again, visit trymiracle.com slash dace. All right, let's get to it. It is time to play buy, sell, or hold. Aaron, with help from his friends, that would be many of you, has lined up for you and I, Todd, a series of propositions and prophecies and predictions. You and I are going to decide with no topic off limits, of course, whether we buy it or whether we sell it. If, however, we use the hold for any reason whatsoever, then we have defied the dude code by punking out. And what was it that uh, uh, 
Tucker said last night that death gave what kind of a grin to Lindsey Graham was that was it? it well it, he he said he looked like a, uh, he was a starving aroused. man a starving man uh, considering a breakfast buffet and that the thought of uh, dead people or dead Russians arouses Lindsey Graham. Yes, so if you place a hold you see where I'm going with this. You will have Too to far. find out That's where you're going with this. <laughs> Too far. You, you will have to find out what else arouses Lindsey Graham, Mr. Erzin. No. Indeed. No holds. Go, to, go, Aaron. Go. Uh, quite an eclectic uh, mix of questions today, uh, both political and some non-political. We'll begin, though, with Dustin, who says the rate of parents who refuse the childhood vaccine schedule, just refuse the schedule, not necessarily go full on anti-vax, in the next five years will be double. The rate of parents who refuse the childhood vaccine mm. schedule in the next five years will double. I will absolutely buy that. I'll buy. And it's, there's, there's not many people doing that even now. So even doubling that number is not going to lead to like some gargantuan number. But yes. Yeah, I'll buy it too. Yeah. Zach Shea says the MLB and some NFL teams removing Rainbow from their current social media profile pics is significant. This is true, by the way. I mean, there were a few teams in Major League Baseball. Xbox was one of them. Had their Rainbow adorned logo up there for like a day and a half before taking it down. I agree it is significant. Now, I I don't know how significant it is. Um, You know, it depends on your way, how you choose to look at it. I mean, you can you can look at it and say, well, the, they still made the uh, the alm and genuflection at the first of the month, okay? So um, they are still on board uh, with the rainbow jihad. Or you could look at it the other way and say they gave their cursory, uh, you know, uh, tip of the cap and then got the hell out of Dodge uh, to avoid any further collateral damage. Um, given where this was at the last few years, and what we anticipated it was going to be like. I mean, we were girding our loins across the fruited plain of the, of the obscene that we thought we were going to be subjected to everywhere you turned. So I am going to say, given that, then I, I think it is positively significant and will buy. Yeah, I agree. Has anybody seen numbers? Has, has attendance dropped at all at Dodger games because of this you know I've not even looked Maybe I mean I, I can look real quick if you want I mean because I do th- I, you know I do believe in uh, the power of changing on this but if 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 people are still going to the Dodger games in mass ultimately if not if Christians are still going to the Dodgers game in mass then you're still not getting the point and them not them taking this down ultimately I'm, is a pyrrhic. I mean, I'm looking at a video right now of Nancy Pelosi throwing the first pitch at the Washington Nationals game on Pride Night and there's like nobody in the stadium. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. Now the Dodgers lead ma- Major League Baseball in attendance. They just had the Yankees come in and play a series, which was, have the Mm -hmm. Yankees been there ever other than like, you know, when they met in World Series? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this may not be the best time to to ask yourself that, but from what I've seen, I see no sign of any dropping at all of attendance where the Dodgers are concerned. But what did the Dodgers also do? Again, we may think it's not far enough, but remember they came out, what was it, Christian Faith and Family Night or something? They're going to do one of those now? Yeah. So... They're on some form of defensive. 
There's yeah. no question they're on some oh, yeah. form of defensive. Agreed. Agreed. And they have not been in many, many a moon. So I think we should not acknowledge that. Tyler Bruder says Ron DeSantis wins Iowa and Trump claims the caucus was rigged. So sell. I'm going to sell on that. I, I remember all of us waited on the Cruz campaign on caucus night to see how Trump was going to react. This, remember, was the first vote. And he had been the presumptive front runner since, um, since September of the previous year. And so we wondered, what was he going to do? Was he going to come out and dunk on Iowa, this and that? And he came out and gave a very measured response, spoke for maybe 10 minutes and didn't take any questions and you know, said off to New Hampshire. And that benefited him greatly because he needed Iowa on the Electoral College map. And uh, he's popular here and helped us win our state twice. And I appreciate that. I, I, I suspect... He won't do the second part, so I will sell. But if he does, I think that that kind of indicates we are in full-fledged King Saul territory now, okay? Because you you can't afford to be sacrificing any electoral college votes unnecessarily right now if you are a, a, a Republican nominee. I don't think he'll say it's rigged. He may do something like, hey... Iowa caucus, it's just kind of screwy anyways. They couldn't even count their own votes. You know, he might do something like I that. I could see that. Talking about the, the Pete Buttigieg when they screwed Bernie Sanders. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. just say that it's just a weird place that's not a real measure of what America thinks. But I don't think he'd say, like, I, I really want it and it was rigged against me. I That could hurt him, though. I mean, it, uh, he, I, yeah, saying that. I, I'm not saying it couldn't hurt him, I, but I, I think that's way more likely. Okay. Overton Window Sticker Shock says if Trump continues to self-immolate at the rate he has uh, this week, again, these are a couple of these are from uh, Friday when I solicited buy, sell, or hold uh, recommendations. If Trump continues to self-immolate like he has this week, he will be out of the race before the Iowa sell. caucus. Oh, completely sell. sell. No chance. I mean, th- th- Trump could Trump could say nothing for the remainder of this race. Never visit Iowa ever again and just never appear on camera ever again. And he would get like 25% in the Iowa caucuses. Okay. I mean, we are still talking about a former president here with a formidable amount of, of loyal loyalty and support. So let's not go nuts here. Okay. I, I, I mean, the, all the, you guys know, I am nauseated in general by this is the only hope. The only, I hate that crap. I hate that fearless leader stuff. You know, I can't stand it. And, and, and I wanted to make that point last hour, too, in that it, it, the reason why I don't like Trump going after DeSantis has nothing to do. Again, I don't have a personal relationship with Ron DeSantis. I have had now in the last month two 10 minute conversations with Ron DeSantis Three, because he called me after I got out of the hospital. I forgot about that. Three 10-minute conversations with Ron DeSantis. And the previous conversations I had with him uh, was one for 10 minutes in a hallway 10 years ago. I have no personal relationship here. I have personal relationships with people who are on his campaign. I have personal relationships with people who are close to Trump. If you know me for more than 10 minutes, you know personal relationships will have almost no bearing at all on what I will say. They might have a bearing on when I'll say it, 
Like if I do have a personal relationship, I, I'll, I'm going to probably, because of that relationship, give you the max benefit of the doubt before I, I jump right on, you know, and, and pull the pin and launch a grenade. But inevitably, you've worked next to me for how many years? You know this. If inevitably, I think the, the, the pin needs to be pulled, have you ever seen me not pull it one no. time? No matter who it was. Right. No matter what the prior relationship was. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons why Mike Huckabee hasn't spoken to me in 10 years. That's why. Okay. So I will. So this isn't personal. It is, I like the fact that DeSantis has fought on our issues. And when Trump attacks him for that, he attacks our issues, guys. Like, I don't care if he says Ron DeSantis uh, was too fat. Uh, Ron DeSantis lost weight to run for president. I think Ron DeSantis is ugly. I don't give a rip about any of that crap. When he attacks him for standing up against COVID, he's attacking the truth of the example that we need. There's a small group of people that are the reason why you're still not wearing masks everywhere. And Ron DeSantis is one of them. I don't care what he thinks about him personally. He can call him a traitor. He can say he's not any good. I don't care about any of that stuff. I don't. If I had a personal relationship with Ron DeSantis, I might care. But I don't. At least not right now. So when he attacks him on his record, he's attacking what I believe. Does that make sense? Yes. And that's what I don't like. Who likes it when their beliefs are attacked? Raise your hand. When you say that they were, that they didn't fight COVID, as, as many of these Trump people are saying on Twitter, that is a lie. I don't like lies. Now, here's what's funny. You present to me the ad from Trump that I've mentioned several times already that is on my Twitter feed. You can go see it right now, at Steve Day Show. You present that ad, and suddenly all the, all the disdain I have for the lies that he has said about DeSantis' record completely go away. Because now the message is, I'm who they hate, and I'm your retribution against them. I like that message. Why do I like that message? Because I'm looking for retribution. (laughs) I'm looking for it against the people that punished me and what I believe. I'm looking for retribution. Funny how this works. When, When someone gives me a message that affirms my belief system... Follow me here. This is going to be really nuts and crazy, guys. When someone, no matter who they are, no matter who they are or what I think about them personally, I can't stand Trump's public persona. I don't care. Keep overturning Roe v. Wade, move the embassy to Jerusalem. I I don't need any more buddies. I'm good. I got all kinds of people that I like and love. Wouldn't vote for them for dog catcher. All right. So here's how this works. Really complicated process. When your messaging lines up with what I believe, I'm favorable to it. When your messaging opposes what I believe, I'm unfavorable to it. Thoughts. That's deep, man. That, I that's mean, that's, those, those are, that's Jack Handy level of depth right there. And you're only going to get that on this show, folks. Only here. When you say stuff I agree with, I like it. When you say stuff I don't agree with, I don't like it. That's my vetting tool. Say and before what I say and am for and I like. Say and before what I am against, I don't like. I've really thought this through very thoroughly. And next fall, I will release a 700-page book fleshing out exactly what that means. Let's continue. Next up, we go to reclaiming the truth. Considering Elon's reversal of the restrictions put on what is a woman, he really is still fully in charge of Twitter and its general direction. Completely by. And you could see that 
one of their higher ups either was forced out or quit after what he did. Um, so it was very clear. He made an example. He then went further the next day, tweeted out the link to Matt's documentary and urged the largest social media following on planet Earth to watch it. And looking at the numbers, a lot of them did. <laughs> All right. So he not only said, he not only said, hey, and this is, again, I, I know that this is, uh, this, this is an endangered species right now, the alpha male. But he not only pulled rank, this is an alpha male move. I may not even like the message of this movie, but I'm going to make sure everyone here knows who's running the show and who is in charge. So I'm going to promote the movie. How you like them apples? Because my name's on the front of the check. You sign the back, I sign the front. So I'm in charge, not you. That's a, that's, we don't see that a lot today. Like people right now are Googling alpha male. What is that? It's that. It's, I'm going to turn right around and I'm, I'm going to actually share Matt's documentary myself the next day with a personal recommendation. And we're going to shatter all documentary viewing uh, records in the history of the medium. That is an alpha male. That's an alpha male move. I'm letting everyone know. I'm reminding everybody. That's Robert De Niro in The Untouchables. I can quote that movie too. Gathering all of the chieftains together at the table and reminding them that a team is only as good as its weakest link. What happens to said weakest link after that proclamation is made? The weakness is purged. And that's exactly what occurred at Twitter last week. Bye. Tyler Brown, most of the candidates in the GOP primary are only running because they are assuming that Trump will be forced to drop out due to indictments. I th well, that, that not only, but that's one I of think the that major is part of their calculus. So I'll buy. I, I also think it is one of the reasons that I think now I think Trump was always going to run again after they stole it from him the last time. Mm -hmm. But he is much more vulnerable to these things as a private citizen than he is as a candidate. Now, he's vulnerable to him as a candidate, too. OK, but I mean, if he's a private citizen, he lacks the daily platform to push back. He lacks the ability to make the case. Um, well, you can still make the case, but it's really obvious now to make the case that this is a part, as he likes to say, a partisan witch hunt by by and by him. And, the, and how early he announced his candidacy was to get out. I absolutely am told, and I believe my sources on this, that that's why the announcement was made as early as it was, to fully establish his identity as a candidate so that when these things came down the pike, he could then immediately have a deterrent against them by saying, see, they're coming after me because I'm running again. All right. And which means, by the way, he's correct. Because if he if he if he announced early enough to create that deterrent, that means that they knew in advance the deterrent would be there. Correct. Yeah. And th and did that deter them at all? No. no, they are. They still are going through with everything they're going through. Yes. So in this in this calculation, Donald Trump was 100 yes. percent correct. Yes. Next, I only chose this one because Twitter labeled this submission with this message. This tweet may violate Twitter's rules against hateful conduct. Here's the submission from Barbara. All this training madness is a prep job to grease the skids for Michelle. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Yikes. Yikes. Hold. Yeah, I, no. No, I, no, I, I, I definitely don't want to know what arouses Lindsay. Sell. So, but I'm going to sell. Yeah. As brutal as that is, I have to sell that. Yeah. 
Next, Pumpkin Cat 1031 says, uh, has, or has this list of the top 10 most iconic Here we go. movie theme songs. And okay. I have to say, after reading all these, I could I could only think of one in my head, or there was only one that I couldn't think of uh, in my head, off the top of my head. Number one, Star Wars. I'm fine with it being number one. It would not be my number one, but it would be like lower than two or three. So I am fine with where it is at. Okay, yeah. Number two, Mission Impossible. Sure. I, it should be in the top five. I, I don't think it should be two, but I'm okay with where it's at. Bye. Number three, Indiana Jones. It, it yes. absolutely belongs in the top three, for sure. I'll buy. Number four, Superman. That should be number one. Yes. That number, should be number one. Number that five. should not be number one over Star Wars. There's no way. That's too personal to you. Number five is Jurassic Park. Okay. I don't think, I wouldn't That's put it ahead two, of Jaws. Yeah, it's not five. Yeah. But it, I, I'm fine with it being on the list, so I'll buy. Number six, Jaws. Yeah, if, if anything, Jaws is too low because in many respects, Jaws was the precursor. Jaws was Jaws is the beginning of what we know today as summer movie blockbuster season. It was the film that initiated all of that. And uh, with the iconic theme and everything else, it, it maybe deserves to be higher. But six is still pretty good. So, okay. Okay. Number seven, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> okay, I'm fine with it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> This is the one that I couldn't think of off the top of my head, although I'm sure I'd uh, recognize it. Number eight is The Godfather. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. Okay, I'm fine with it being on the list. But my problem is there are two that that I've already thought of that absolutely have to be on this list that aren't. But let's finish the list first. Okay. Up, uh, my bad. Uh, number nine is Rocky. Oh, of course. Yes. yes. And number 10, Pirates of the Caribbean. No. That's one that can go. There's two that has to be on the list. One of them you're going to tell me is too personal, and you're probably right. One of them, though, you're going to agree with me, has to be on the list. Thus speaketh Zarahustra, the theme of 2001, has to be on that list. That has to be on the list somewhere. So let's kick let's kick Pirates of the Caribbean out and put that there, okay? Okay. The Randy Newman's theme to The Natural has to be on the list. Neither one of those are too personal for you. Okay, all right. James Bond, I there, think. Is. Well, that's okay. well, well, Bond. Bond yeah. would, would should probably. Yeah. I mean that, that that should be on the list, maybe even ahead of the yeah. ones I mentioned. So uh, then it's a matter of what you're taking off. Okay, so if we agree, Bond, Bond, 2001, and The Natural have to be on the list. Okay, the Pirates of the Caribbean's an easy eject, right? That's gone. This is a generational thing for okay. me. I don't mind it being on there. I mean, I don't mind it being, but I don't think it's an, as easy of a you know sell as as what you're making it out to be. It's a catchy, catchy yeah. theme song. Put the other two up there, Todd, and tell me what other two go. Put the list back up there, and if oh. you could, what other two Jurassic Park goes? Uh, probably. What well, is the Godfather? The top ten. I can't think of the Godfather theme. It's like a, it, it's like a little Chopin piano, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Honestly, to be honest, I might take Jaws off. Oh, you can't take Jaws off. Well, you, you, you asked can't. me to you take can't. three. It's the OG of, of movie of of movie scores for modern blockbusters. All right, good conversation. That was fun. Much more fun than uh, um, uh, discussing the uh, physiological status of one Michelle Obama. Next, the word is truth says that uh, Trump is already starting to realize he can't compete with DeSantis and will continue to unravel trying to chase him. DeSantis just has to continue to execute the rope-a-dope strategy. So I buy this if, if Trump... Here's the thing. If, if, if Trump tries to compete with DeSantis, like the idea... 
Like, like DeSantis absolutely wants Trump to show up at that debate in August. I've used this reference before. You, Khan always takes the bait and enters the Mutara Nebula. We, we could never get a one-on-one with Trump on the Cruz campaign. We couldn't do it. He refused to debate us one-on-one, even when it was clear we were the last two candidates remaining of any value. There was one debate where he agreed to do it with Rubio and Cruz, and Rubio and Cruz ganged up on him pretty bad and made him look bad. And I think that might have been the last one. That, that, and I think there, maybe there was one where it was Kasich and Cruz and Trump. I can't remember now. But um, if, if Trump stays on the message that they rolled out this morning, he will be impossible to beat. But I don't believe he can. Um, I think I do think he's. I, I think he's largely, a, a, from a branding standpoint, kind of a fake bully. And I don't think he can stand in the ring with somebody forty years younger than him, basically, um, who's been battle tested on a much higher level than just yelling witch hunt. I don't. Um, but if I'm Trump, I don't. Do I have to? I ask myself. There's running, there's, there's, how did, how did that tweet phrase it, Aaron? Um, so Trump is already starting to realize he can't compete okay, with DeSantis. Yeah, he, the, do you compete with DeSantis or do you just bypass DeSantis? That's been the point I've been making all along. If I were him, I would just be bypassing DeSantis. Now, but I wouldn't duck the debates either because some will say, well, Steve, that's why he should duck the debates. That, that would also play into DeSantis' hands. See, he's out of, he's, 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 he's out of touch. He's lost. All DeSantis has to do is win one of win Iowa or New Hampshire. And that pierces right away the bubble of inevitability. Now, that's easier said than done. Okay, but if I'm DeSantis, I just need to show that he's lost his fastball. And if I'm Trump, I can't show that I've lost my fastball. I need to show the opposite. And that I could, I could see Trump doing this, show up at the first debate in Milwaukee. And if I dominate, I don't show up at any more. I made my point. Let's just move on here. See what I'm saying? Yeah. That I could see. But if he ducks that debate, that plays right into DeSantis's hands. Well, first of all, you lost me at Trump is realizing, cause, which was your first <laughs> words, because he's not, uh, whatever it is, he's not realizing it. And secondly, listen, you... The, you're, you're framing this as if there's something that happened that everybody's seeing and evaluating it objectively. Have you met the modern Republican voter at all? They Listen, they're affected by news cycles and social media and short-term memory just like everybody else. We won't remember one week from now what the hell we were even talking about. So there's no... There's no thing that's happening right now that is absolutely defining the votes and the debates that are all down there. I meant to mention this earlier too. Two week today, it's the two week anniversary of DeSantis getting into the race. Three things I have heard the most consistently from the people I talk to in Iowa, in no uncertain order, is disappointment with Trump's answers on several hot button cultural issues. We've had some of the clips where that's concerned. Uh, people want to see Ron DeSantis let it rip more from the stage. Less prepared remarks, more let it rip. And that Casey DeSantis has been very impressive. Those are the three things that I have heard the most from people I talk to around the state.
Got time for one or two more before we have to close it out? You bet. Lizion says Detroit Mitt Lions make it to the Super Bowl, leading by 35 at half, but during the halftime performance, Jesus returns, <laughs> dashing all the hopes of Lions fans. That is one of the greatest the propositions magic. we have ever had. Awesome. That is tremendous. tremendous. That is tremendous. That is truly tremendous. Yes. I have to buy that. That is greatness. Yes. Let's park it here for the last couple of minutes of this segment. James Doulos says, Assassins prioritize outcomes. Apostles focus on means and motivations. Uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I like the way that that is worded. Yeah. That's good. All right. We can keep going then. Okay. Uh, Prairie Pirate says, Mount Rushmore of best Russell Crowe flicks. Gladiator, Master and Commander, A Beautiful Mind. Cinderella Man, honorable mentions, L.A. Confidential. I'm f- completely fine with that list. I mean, yeah. the three of them are, you know, three of the greatest films of this era. And Gladiator, I think, is one of the greatest films of any era. It is one of my top ten all-time favorite films. Now, they're making a sequel, which I am... Of Gladiator? Yeah, I am. Yeah, they are. I've got the... Steve, for those of you that aren't watching, I've got the Steve Carell... Yikes! Gift going here. Oh. That, the current state of American uh, of Western masculinity remaking Gladiator uh, seems like wait, Danger Will Robinson wait, to me. Sequel or remaking? It, it, I'm sorry, they're making a sequel. Did I say remake. Yeah. It's, no, they're not remaking it. It's a sequel. Okay. Yeah, it's I mean, a sequel. Okay, he's dead. I mean, if you just do another part of history from that era, uh, it's not like it's a total. That's the thing, though. Lost w- co- why? There's no place for the story to continue on. Um, it's the perfect end to the story. It's one of the greatest scene reveals mm-hmm. since I am your father. I am Maximus. I mean, that's just, I mean, dude, why it wasn't meant to be episodic. So why mess with perfection, man? Just let it speak for itself. It clearly needs to be more gay. <laughs> and that's clearly what is likely going to happen. I mean, there will be uh, some squire, trans squire, who, of course, will be the wisest character, um, benevolent and wise, in fact. Um, did you guys see Media Matters did a write-up of Nefarious? I did. Yeah. Glowing. Tip of the cap. Glowing. I know. Dude, they made me look really cool, too. They gave me the nefarious eyes. I mean, I, I understand that they felt the need to respond since the movie is about their true father, but I wanted to, I mean, the fact that, you know, and I love the fact that they, in the write-up, it talks about how subversive the movie is, how we uh, marketed it as something that it's really not. Wasn't I just saying that all out in the open on the yes. show the entire time? Or they're accusing me of things I've already admitted to preemptively. I already told you we were doing this. I got a big kick out of that. All right, we'll come back. Daniel Horowitz will join us. The Prophet of Woe and Lamentation returns in a moment. If you are looking for alternatives to further government education and indoctrination of your children, look no further than our friends over at Freedom Project Academy, built on Judeo-Christian values with a classical curriculum. What does that mean? It's kind of one of these new buzzwords that we have on the right. Well, it means that they're dedicated to the mastery of subject matter, not how to master your child. 
uh, to become a subject one day, uh, how to how to think, not what to think, critical thinking, not uh, a lack thereof. Uh, you can save 10% on tuition right now when you enroll today at freedomforschool.com, F-O-R, freedomforschool.com. And while you're there, you can check out their courses, teachers, preview videos about the courses, even request their free information uh, packet. Maybe it's a little early yet for you to go ahead and, and, and make that decision. Just ask for the free information packet. Check, uh, check around on the site. See if it's a good fit for you. Do not hand over another generation to the spirit of the age. Let's take back our children's education. No more soul murders and mind rapes, which is what goes on way too much within Satan's youth ministry. All right, freedomforschool.com. I know the people who started this school. Uh, we fought together against Common Core back in the day. My own son Noah went to FPA for a couple of years. So I've seen it up close and personal, which is why I'm recommending it to you. Freedomforschool.com. Let's welcome in the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, the one and only Daniel Horowitz. Good to have you back, brother. How are you? Hey, Steve, three days in a row. How, how about it? We Indeed. Do this more often. Indeed. I was on your show Tuesday. We had you on yesterday with us as we were filling in with, with Beck and uh, or for Beck, and now you are back here on your regular time slot as well. Um, you were talking with Dr. Peter McCullough on your podcast last week. A very frightening, comprehensive discussion about links with uh, training madness, autism, uh, big pharma, etc. Can you reset some of that conversation for us? Sure. You know, we, we suddenly see all these trends in the country and grooming psychological warfare, social media, TikTok explains a lot of it. But what we explored is, is there a physical aspect to this where suddenly everyone is messed up? Um, and, and he has a theory based on a lot of data that he has supplied. You know, he cites chapter and verse, all the uh, academic literature that he goes through, that there is a huge correlation between the rise of mental illness in general, but particularly autism and transgenderism. So, you know, not everyone with gender dysphoria who suffers from it. Uh, is autistic, but there is a tremendous amount of gender dysphoria among those who who suffer from autism. And his theory is that over time, the mass vaccination, not any one particular, but the synergy of all that inflammation just put in the body, you know, took us from uh, autism being one in 10,000 to now one in 36, according to CDC, and not surprisingly, coinciding with that over the last few years is this rise in males thinking they're females and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And he also tied that into the the rise in violence. It's been noted, a lot of people have noted after uh, the shooting of the Nashville Christian School that a good number of these shootings, again, this is not to explain the entirety of it, we have a mental illness problem, we have a culture of violence without this, but there have been a lot of these trannies that have committed these mass shootings and the media has covered it up. He noted that when you take people that are already predispositioned to mental illness and you juice them up with tons of testosterone, well, what do you think is going to happen? We talk a lot about the suicide rate among them, which is certainly very high. But he believes that there's also a high homicide rate as well related to it. So, again, when you talk about this demonic construct, almost like your book, really, 
I mean, really the book version of Nefarious, you couldn't have created a more demonic plot over the last several decades. Now, I'm not saying they necessarily mapped it out from day one, each sequence of this, but they certainly seem prepared to pour gasoline on every fire they create. So that was his thesis between the mass vaccination, the insane growth of mental illness and autism, and then this precipitous rise um, with everyone thinking that they're now the opposite gender right around that age, and, and he claims a good number of them are on the spectrum, that is something that is very scary because that's the type of thing that even if we succeed in fighting the grooming, uh, boy, how do you fight Big Pharma, Steve? So I have two follow-up questions on that. Let, let's start first with the, with the trans angle as a follow-up. Earlier this week, Vivek Ramaswamy was asked, would he renew uh, the ban on trainees in the military? Now, this is a ban that, that Trump, as commander-in-chief, put in place. General Milley and the Joint Chiefs just completely ignored it and never installed it. Uh, and so it, was, it was, wasn't worth the paper it was printed on. No one was, of course, held accountable for defying the commander-in-chief. And then when Biden took over, that was one of his executive orders to undo much of Trump's administration that he did in just a manner, a manner, a manner of hours. Uh, and Vivek was asked if he would reinstall it. It was at the end of an interview, didn't really explain his position, uh, and but said no, he would not. To me, it's just this simple. Why would I want to give access to advanced tech and weaponry to someone with a psychosis so deep that they would be willing to mutilate themselves. On top of that, um, why would I want the same ideology that you just mentioned, several references to its recent violent, um, you know, it, it acting out, why would I want to give people with that same ideology like, you know, drones? Why would I, help me explain either one of those. Well, that's why they want it in the military. That's precisely where they want it. Now, my, I mean, now my Steve, buddy Bob Vanderplatz thinks that all the candidates, including DeSantis, would probably answer the same way as Vivek. Your thoughts? I'd be I'd be shocked. I'd be floored if if they did. Uh, both Trump and DeSantis, for that matter. Um, you know, to Trump's credit, he did try to get rid of it. Uh, it was when the generals rebelled is when I realized the military is irremediably broken. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't believe that. But more broadly to your point, Steve, I mean, this is another example of the rainbow jihad being le uh, elevated to the status of a national religion where you get a religious exemption from truth and sanity in any sphere of law, policy or anything. I mean, people have a hyperthyroid can't get into the military, uh, as Trump would well know, with bone spurs, you you're exempt from the military, um, even relatively minor conditions. Uh, will keep you out of the military and certainly uh, exclude you from a number of critical jobs within the military. So obviously, again, the notion that you take someone that is at the nexus of a mental and physical mm -hmm. uh, ailment and you would just have a blanket uh, acceptance in the military is just another example of how this is – today's version of a religious exemption it's like oh you know you got a disability mm. but you have a religious exemption from that because you're doing it for that purpose i mean it's like i said on my show earlier this week you had this dude showering with women in a new york city employee uh bus depot with women and uh, he was filming the women while naked with his thing out in the shower mm. and one of the women knocked it from his hand 
and she was arrested rather than him for filming them. That's again a religious exemption. And I'm again, I'm actually surprised with Vivek on that because I've I've been tough on him on a lot of issues, but I felt he had pr- pretty consistently explained that issue pretty well. And I, I don't know. I mean, that that's very disappointing because if we can't do it there, we're done. Now a follow up on the big pharma angle. Is there any substance that Pfizer could slap their name on? Anything. Anything. That the FDA would not approve. No, no. And and, and let me explain. Like if they why. repackaged just straight hemlock, just repackaged it. Straight, straight, straight up. Repackaged and, and it, it would, they, would, would the FDA approve it, at least on a provisional basis? Well, as far as the straight up hemlock, you got to wonder over the last 50, 60 years uh, how many things they have packaged that come pretty close to that. Um, here's the deal. So Pfizer is now the first out of the gate to get not just a senior RSV shot, you know, for those over 60 approved, but also for pregnant women. I mean, that was just approved last <sighs> week. And, you know, even Paul Offit, who is probably the most famous vaccinologist, uh, especially children's vaccinologist, of the generation from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, he voted against it. Um, but what they did is they stuffed the Verbeck, I believe that's the FDA advisory committee, they stuffed it with four fill-ins in order to get enough votes. It wound up being seven to four in favor of it, but it was about even among the permanent members. So that's how bad it was. I mean, typically this stuff is unanimous. So uh, that told me that there is quite literally nothing they can do. Um, All-cause mortality. There are three more deaths, just all-cause deaths, in the Pfizer RSV trial group than the placebo group with a one-month follow-up period, Hmm. which is insane. Um, A number of more uh, serious adverse events uh, as well. So we're now in a situation where we know that all of their data is cooked. It's all fabricated. Um, there's no third-party verification. But we're at a point where even their own data could show an underwater cost-benefit matrix. And nonetheless, it will get approval. And the reason is because we don't have a unified, loud political movement in this country with political clout to place a check and balance on that behavior and then coupled with the fact that they're indemnified from all liability. So, I mean, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. There's quite literally nothing they could produce that will not get approved. Last thing I want to ask you about. Has, have we watched the, the earth shift from a media standpoint? So, I mean, Tucker, to some degree, because he was still on Fox, had to, had to have some deference to the Overton window. Now, he is completely freed up to say whatever he wants about whomever he wants on Twitter and is going to command so far we're up to 80 million now just since we started the show it went from 73 million to 80 million watched his opening monologue last night that is that is 20 times the audience that he had on, on Fox which was the largest television cable news audience ever 20 times the audience here's the other thing too Daniel average age of a Fox News viewer is 68 and a half years old only 17 percent of Twitter users in America are over 50 so now he is freed up to say whatever he wants, whenever he wants, about whoever he wants, to 20 times the people that he was going to get access to via Fox, and gets to build brand loyalty with a younger group of people. And since he's separated from the Fox, you know, MSNBC Venn diagram, he doesn't have the baggage associated with that and can be seen as a more true independent voice. 
I mean, on top of that, what happened last week with Matt Walsh's documentary, Twitter tried, the, uh, the people still running Twitter tried to ban it. Elon Musk was in China, came off the top rope. Uh, fired them, reinstated the video. Uh, then the next day, um, recommended the documentary himself. It now may end up being the most watched documentary in the entire history of the medium. That thing's approaching like 200 million views. Have we watched here in the last two weeks the entire ground shift, the power structure shift? CNN CEO out as we speak here earlier today. Is the ground shifting here? From a, a para, Are we watching a paradigmal shift? So I, I think you're you're offering the logistical media angle to the broader policy shift that I think has been taking place for several years since the rise of the Fourth Reich, which is that and, and you see it with the the rise of RFK Jr. and 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 I think Tucker kind of um, triangulates in that direction, as you said, without that pre-existing GOP-labeled baggage, we could truly have a third way, no labels movement, not in the way that that no, no labels was created originally, there is a huge opportunity. And I think it can rope in a much younger crowd than what the traditional conservative base attracted over the years. There is no doubt about that. Um, ever since the left shifted from, you know, a message of we're going to give you everything to we're going to take everything from you. Mm -hmm. I think it still resonates with a majority of Democrats which is why RFK is no way he could win a Democrat primary. But when you add up Republican voters, independent voters, and a chunk of Democrat voters, you could really run up the middle. And I don't mean middle ideologically, but a new way, uh, a, a coalition against this cultural Marxism, against the transhumanism. This really is a supermajority governing philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you're right. We have the mediums now to potentially bypass not just the liberal media, but the Fox juggernaut. The question is, do we have have enough visionaries ideologically on policy who want that or is it just going to be another grifting oh i need to sell a brand so i'll sell it on this more populist front rather than the traditional republican front that is the question do we have a movement ready to capture that lightning in the bottle but that lightning is there i think god is providing us with a huge opportunity and we're at a big crossroads great stuff my friend good to talk to you thank you See ya. You bet. Daniel brought to you by Relief Factor. Everybody deals with chronic pain from time to time. That's too much pain in the body because you have too much inflammation. That's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory. It is drug-free, but... It was, it's a formula that was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. So why do they go with this? Because they recognize that a lot of what they were seeing in their practices was too much inflammation leading to too much chronic pain. And that's why they created Relief Factor. And they're so confident in the product that they're going to give you a three-week supply for just 20 bucks to see if you don't see a difference in your chronic pain and your joints in three weeks or less. If you've been struggling forever, tried everything, why not try this? What do you got to lose for 20 bucks? Who knows? You might be one of the 70% who try it. And end up sticking around long term because of the results that they see. Just go to relieffactor.com. Again, the website is relieffactor.com, or you can call them 800 the number four relief. 800 for relief, 800 for relief, or relieffactor.com. All right, final thoughts on the show or on the conversation that Daniel and I just had? Well, if you had asked me uh, before COVID about uh, my stance against uh, vaccination in general, 
I would have echoed uh, that conversation with Peter McCullough. That, yes, there there are the gr- major grotesque injuries that happen that mothers have lamented for a long time and been ignored or made fun of. Like, I had this kid on this day, they got this shot, and then I had this kid on the other day. But for most of them, it, it's this percolating underneath whether it's be inflammation, uh, whether it's somehow affected the brain in a subtle way that you grow into adulthood, the, and the, the damage with the food allergies. It's a yeah. ticking time bomb, and you don't know what stimuli within your life uh, as you get older and go through things like you know puberty into adulthood, different pressures, uh, and genuine mental health issues. When that bomb finally explodes. Aaron, as far as the kind of third way, uh, running up the middle commentary i i agree that there are you know there are swaths of america who kind of still fit that bill that they want something different and that they would be attracted to candidates that would give them something different my fear is though is that too many of those people who exist still care far too much about what people think who really don't matter in other words there's too far too many people who buy into the uh, buy into the propaganda every single election cycle. Well, if you don't vote for this, if you don't, you know, uh, 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 not voting is a vote in and of itself, mm-hmm. that type of thinking. And I just don't know how you break out of that. I think that's that, a lot of that is generational. I think a younger generation presented with the information paradigm that we're talking about is eventually going to demand a political vehicle that uh, that uh, that is in accordance with that paradigm. All right. That'll do it. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck, right here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.